the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This is the tenth part in our series on the seven churches from Revelation. This week we look at the church in Laodicea. The main reading is Colossians chapter 3. Well, we're at our last stop on the postal service. I like a half moon. We, we come round to the last church, Laodicea. And um, <clears throat> when we read this, we are really um, taken aback, really. Uh, we've gone through some churches with some real, uh, real with what we would count as grave sins. Um, uh, but the Lord leaves his sternest words to uh, this church in one sense, we would say, well, it didn't look too bad to me, but um, uh, this is what the Lord thinks, how the Lord perceives and sees things totally unlike we see things, of course. And that's the, the bottom line. And let's just read that, uh, obviously, Revelation 3, 14 to the end. To the angel, the messenger, pastor of the church in the Odyssey, right? Uh, these are the words of the, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Uh... I go straight away, there's no commendation. Straight away we notice that. The only other church uh, we, we see that was Sardis, who was supposed to be alive but was dead. So only the other, this is the only second church, no commendation at all. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I do not need a thing. But you do not realize, you do not know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Dear me, I advise you, I counsel you, come on, you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you will become really rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see clearly. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Here I am. Behold, Whoa, oh, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on the throne, my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he was an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Awesome, awesome uh, and frightening. Um, but we see the heart of Jesus, don't we? We see the heart of Jesus coming so clearly. Laodicea uh, was, we talked about all pretty wealthy places. Um, maybe Laodicea was the wealthiest of the lot. Um, it was built at, at a particular point, if you look at the map, it's Turkey and it was right by here, on, on all the trade routes that had to pass through. Very clever guys. Uh, let's, let's build it where all the roads, north to south goes and west. Uh, Ephesus about 90 odd miles west and Philadelphia would be a bit north, north, northwest. So it was right on, on, the, right on the border so they, all the trade routes would go right through it. Um, they have been, they've been digging it up now and the, the, the uh, architecture, absolutely astounding. Two amphitheaters where only, most cities only had one. Um, you, you ladies would have loved it. 
four agoras, that was the marketplace, and they reckon it could be up to, if not over, 4,000 shops. What about that, ladies? Oh, God, Bob's your uncle, isn't it? 4,000. Um, a, a big stadium, a big, uh, it, it was, the, the more they look at it, it was an absolute, you know, when they, and of course, that's their problem. Um, uh, affluence, um, but it, that's where it was in the Lycan Valley, and, and it, it was part of the, uh, the the three the three churches, Colossae, and then in the middle there was uh, Laodicea, and then the other side was Herapolis, and they, those two churches, those two places, would be very important when Jesus is speaking. Remember, we said he knows the area, he knows he just not know the church, he knows the environment, he knows the people, he knows, and that's how he's going to speak into them because what's happened is whether we like it or not, our environment does influence us. It shouldn't, but it does. The world squeezes us. I don't know if you looked at the um, ONS thing uh, yesterday. The, uh, I think it was 2010, it was 70% Christian, they said the nation was. And that's under half now. And Kefili is, is, is the worst. It says they've got no religion at all. Nearly 40% of people. That's how far we've gone. Don't believe in anything, you know. That's 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 where we are, and of course that can sometimes squeeze the church. We can think, oh, well, we have, but you know. But that's but the Lord is going to speak into that. The first thing He does, of course, every time he, he shows who He is, doesn't He? We've seen that every time. Every church He introduces Himself first. Speak to the messenger now. Tell him who I am, and they are always uh, relevant to what He's speaking into. Remember, He said He's the Amen. That means um, he is the uh, faithful one, the truthful one. Verily, verily, it can be translated as well. Or it's said of God, it is and it shall be. Remember, uh, and also uses the definite article. Very interesting when you read, always look at every word. The amen. Not a amen. No, the. One and only, distinct, absolutely. He's the faithful and the true witness. He's the one who sees and knows he's going to testify. And what he's going to say to them is going to be true and it's final. And, uh, you know, we don't like truth, do we? Uh, only if it's good to me. Like, Dave, you're wonderful. Of course, oh, absolutely. But Dave, I see this. Ah, uh, no, are you sure? And, of course, the beginning of the creation. Not beginning of creation. The beginner, the ruler, the creator. Um, of, crea of creation. And again, remember, Colossians, we need to read Colossians because that's their foundation. That was the book that was written to them. And so let's have our first reading because he, that's his introduction, who he is. Let's see what Colossians are, have already said. Colossians 1, 16, 17, and 18. For by him all things are created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Have the preeminence. Yes. So he, now they knew who he was, and he was just underlying. That's, you know, remember the, 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 the trouble with, with uh, Colossae? And obviously all that area. There was persecution, but they seem to think Laodicea was one of those places, a bit like Switzerland, 
didn't really get involved in, in, in conflict. They were just, uh, because it was a very wealthy area, it was a banking area. So that's where the money was. It was a banking area. And that's why Jesus is, is, is talking about gold. And uh, it was also a very uh, affluent textile area. They had this called this black wool that was, uh, you know, expensive and was only made, they say, there at the time. And they also had a medical facility, which uh, did ISAB. And that's why the Lord is referring to these things. Um, uh, but straight away, he goes straight to the heart and says, look, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm, and you're making me sick. Well, 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 I tell you what. And when I read this, I'm thinking, Lord, you know, I'm trying to say, Lord, what would you say over our church? You know, what would you say over this church or the church, in, you know, our locality? And it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? Because the Lord will be truthful, isn't he? He won't pull the wool. He's he not a flatterer, the Lord, is he? He loves us. That we cannot, he'll always love us. But he'll tell us where, where we are. And we can see how he loved this church. We'll see his desire for the church. But he was very clear, isn't he? He said, this is what you are. You are lukewarm. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, of course, the trouble is with Laodicea, they built this city there, but they didn't, it, had, it has no water source. So it was beautiful and wonderful, but it had no water source. Now, Colossae was, was built just under the um, Mount, 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 uh, Cadmus, which is about 9,000 feet up, and on the top there, there's this snow. So what would happen? It would melt and come down into Colossae. Beautiful, refreshing. Beautiful, refreshing, cool water. And many people would go there in the summer because that's up a little bit higher, cooler, and cool, refreshing water. Hierapolis has got these these, these uh, volcanic springs or these springs and these spas where they, they, they it's about 40 degrees uh, and where they and you can go there now is, is a UNESCO site now, um, and you can go there and uh, piping hot water, which is which is uh, you know healing. They go there for healing, and it's supposed to be good for your rheumatism and you know cardiovascular. And they, they even drink it because they reckon it's good for you because it's got some minerals in it as well. So uh, so there's the picture: hot, cold, refreshing, healing. What are Laodicea doing? They got nothing, so they have to pipe it in. So they aqueduct it in from Colossae, and they pipe it in from uh, Heropolis, a bit further away from Colossae, a bit closer to Heropolis. And the trouble is, the time the water gets there, the cold water's gone lukewarm, and the hot water is not just got tepid, it's, it's picked up stuff from the clay pipes. So they, as soon as they, he said this, you lukewarm, well, they knew exactly what it meant, because every time they drunk the water, they <laughs> spat it out. And there's nothing worse, is there? And tepid water on a hot day, what do you want? A cool, oh, there's nothing better than a cool, refreshing drink of water. It beats anything, didn't it? In Trinet, there was a, don't be an old Tim's, there was a brook, a Trinet, of course. I'll give you, some, I'll give you a Welsh lesson. You are, you are uh, Nick Trinet, three brooks, uh, because that's what it is, three brooks. I think it all piped up, no, they all piped up. But the one brook was right down there, oh, and he, it was always flowing and it was always cold. Beautiful, and if you're out and you couldn't be bothered to go back home, you just go to the brook and drink it. My uncle uh, used to play a bit of rugby, one bar play, play for Abdullah in his day, only a dot. But if he had a bump, he'd go down there before they told you to go and put it in the ice bath and go into the, that cold water. Um, so that's beautiful. But and the hot springs, well, there's nothing like better for to heal than hot water. And he said, look, you're not, you neither. You're not fulfilling your function. You're not refreshing. You're neither healing. You're tepid. And you're making me sick. That's how powerful it is. And then he tells them what has made them tepid. 
And that's interesting. What makes us tepid? Um, let's read a couple of verses because uh, this problem has never gone away. It's, it's the problem with every generation, every, per, every people. You go to um, uh, lands, you, I talked about Mike, uh, with Romania in communism, the church was strong. They were faithful because if you went to church, you, you, needed, you, you had to be a Christian because you were going to be up against it. Western influence has come in, affluence, money, and uh, he says the church that uh, uh, his brother-in-law is in the Baptist church is is religious. You know, they just go and come. There's not there's no life. There's no fire. And and you know that. And the trouble is we've lived in that. And and sometimes we, the afterwards. But it's not a it's a problem for every generation because Moses tells us Deuteronomy eight uh, ten to twenty. Deuteronomy eight ten to twenty. <laughs> a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgment, and his status, which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses, and dwell in them, don't you? And when they, and when my birds and my flocks multiply, <clears throat> and I serve when my gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then my heart be lifted up, mm. <clears throat> and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought before water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do. Be good at thy latter end, and thou say in thy heart, <coughs> my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this well, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day. You see, that is as, as, as relevant today as it was when Moses penned those words. When you build in, when you build those beautiful houses, when everything's going well, beware that you don't say to yourself, cool, didn't I do well? Yeah, didn't you do well? Uh, and that's the, that is always, and this is the Laodicean church, affluence, amazing, and they go so far, they, this is how far they go, they said, uh, you say I am rich, and the, 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 the tense there, and, and the, so the, how they say, we're the richest. That's, that was their boast, we are the richest, we are the wealthiest. And that came through from society, see, they, they were two earthquakes, 80, 70, and 80, 60, 
and uh, the Romans wanted to help them rebuild and they said we don't need your help we are wealthy enough we're independent that independent spirit in fact Laodicea what does Laodicea mean it means um, uh, the justice of the people the rights of the people you can see it coming through can't you uh, the people running the show that's the problem uh, the independence uh, of the city and hit the church and um, uh, they're the wealthiest and here's the problem they said we need Nothing. Now that really, really cut, cut the Lord. Let's just read a couple of verses from the Gospels, which again gives us a bit of clarity, a bit of perspective. Luke 12, 30 to 15. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the heavens with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's very good. Jesus is the Lord, not the abundance of possessions. Isn't it amazing? We know that, yet we still hanker after and we still... We're going to leave it all behind, aren't we? We're going to leave it all behind. And then, that's, that's the problem then. Tell my brother, there's a bit of an argument here now, isn't it? Because of inheritance. And there's the problem. Um, but it's very interesting. We just read Colossians 3. What is it? Remember their, 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 their foundation? Set your eyes and your affection on things above. You are dead. You're now alive in Christ, he said. Um, listen, to, listen to this verse. This is, um, this is a real corker. Uh, Luke 16, verse 15. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. See, what we value is rubbish in God's eyes. And uh, that's why he's, 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 he's That's why they've gone far away. The affluence has taken them away. It's interesting in that Luke 12 where he's saying the abundance of possession. He goes on then into um, the, the, the fool. The fool, I'll build bigger barns and bigger barns and I'll eat, drink and be better. I'll take it easy. And the Lord says, you fool. He very rarely says that. You fool. He said, what have you done? You've not prepared for eternity. Everything's all right down here. Your business is fantastic. He said, but it's just temporary. It's going. It's coming through. So there's, there was, I, we're the richest. We're the wealthiest and we need nothing. That's why the first beatitude is the foundational beatitude. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. See, when we, when, we, when we think we don't need nothing, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we need the Lord at all times. Without him, we are lost. Without him, we are doomed. Without him, we can do nothing. He tells us that. Without me, you can do nothing. So uh, that was their problem. And that's what was really upsetting the Lord. That's just what making him really sick. And of course, what happens is with uh, wealth and materialism comes ease and uh, pride and arrogance, um, self-sufficiency, self-interest, self-satisfied, and ultimately a self-evaluation, which is self-deceptive. Because he's going he's to really say, this is what you think you are, but let me tell you what you really are. Um, and uh, again, it's it, nothing new under the sun, you see. Nothing new under the sun. Listen to what he says about Sodom. Well, we, as soon as we mention Sodom, we think of sodomy and, and all that. But that's not where it started. See, it never starts there because Romans 1 tells us. He gives them over, but it started off where they didn't honour God. 
and soon as you reject God, then you give yourself over to, what does he say? Foolishness, futility, and filthiness. Um, so Sodom didn't start off with in, the, in the, that sin that we know it. This is, this is how it started. Ezekiel 16, 49, 50. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore I did away with them, as you have seen. What did he say? Arrogance, haughty, self-interest. They didn't care about the other people, didn't care about the poor. And that came from a selfish heart. And what happened then? Then they did detestable things. But it came out from pride. Pride is, a, is, is the devil's trump card, isn't it? Because he knows about that. He says, I, oh, Dave, yes, you were this and you were that. And let me just say, when God comes, he tells us what we really are. You say we are rich. We, we don't need a thing. Listen to this. But like can I say, but you do not know, you do not see. Same word know as in where Jesus says, I know. You're he knows, he sees it, he's acquainted with it. He said, you do not know, but you're what? And he rattles it out. You're wretched. You're distressed. You're callous even. You're miserable. You're pitiable. You're poor. Same word as poor. You're a beg. You're beggars, really. You, 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 you go around in all the, the, the designer gear, you've got the, the biggest house, and you've got this, this, and that, but you're poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Now, if you were sitting in the church, and you were, just imagine, um, we come Sunday, and we are, we are pretty self-satisfied, and we, woo, we and then the Lord sends this message to us. You think you're this. But you're not. You're wretched, pitiful, miserable, poor and blind and naked. I tell you what, I don't know about you, but they're about to shaking in their boots. Or they should have been. Absolutely should have been. Um, and then he says, now let me just, come on, I want to counsel you. See, now the Lord is telling us clearly, remember he always is clear, but he always gives us the way out, doesn't he? Remember that the, the, uh, the, uh, the, he's given us uh, the, the uh, criticism, the uh, censure, but he gives us the way out. The... Uh, uh, what's the word we, we used? I'll come back to that. Um, counsel you. I advise you. There's the counsel. That's the one I'm looking for. Uh, the counsel of the Lord. Now buy from me. Stop going to those shops. Get in things of the materialism. That's the world in the materialism. Come and buy from me. Buy that which will last for you. Perspective. He's trying to change the perspective. Gold. Not that so. But is refined in the fire. We understand refi re refining. Refining purifies, pure, and it, it's, it's going to last because when you, when you refine it, it hardens it. It's going to last. He said, now come buy from me that which is eternal value. Now come and put white raiments on. Now you go around with the lovely black wool garments. He said, no, no, but no, it's time to put on the righteousness of the Lord. White garments from me. And uh, anoint your eyes with eye salve. And again, they used to come to this place um, I'm really looked into into what it was. It's difficult to find out. It's uh, cholerillium. It is, and uh, they say that it's 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 a good uh, lubricant for the eyes, or whether they are dry eyes or, or and it sometimes a decongestant, so it does make red eyes go white, it narrows the um, blood vessels. Either way, it was famed for that, and that's why he uses those three different: the banking, the textile, and the medicine to say, look, 
you go into the world for this, you need to come to me. Natural, supernatural. Natural, eternal, spiritual. Um, he said, now come. He said, you've, you've invested in that. All your money's in that. All your time is in that. And you see, that is irrelevant. Come now. He said that their perspective had to be changed. And our perspective always needs to be uh, recalibrated, doesn't it? Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Get your sight right, isn't it? See, one of the things that, that robs us of our love for the Lord is a wrong focus, isn't it? When we take our eyes off him, We've got to love something. We've got to worship something. We've got to give our lives to something. And, of course, we looked at that, and we what robs us of our, that real love, forgetfulness, of course. We just read that. Um, being full and satisfied. Oh, yes. A wrong focus and um, just a waywardness of um, and filthiness. The Bible says in the last days, lawlessness will abound. And the love of most will grow cold. We looked at that before as well. So that's that's the challenge of he said, look, get your foot, you, you eternal, come to me. And that's their problem. They they they'd forgotten who they were. Colossians says, You've died, now you're hid with Christ. Christ is in you. You're in Christ. And they've forgotten that. And that's what it does. We become uh, proud, we become self-reliant. As soon as we become self-reliant, the devil will kick us from here to next week. Because we can't do it. He said, no, submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you. <laughs> There's the order. When we're in his hands, when we're leaning on him, when we rest on him, bless the Lord. There's nothing that can touch us. But it, I'm always amazed how we can see things <laughs> so skewed. Isn't it? How they were so skewed. And we've seen all these churches, didn't they? They, they all thought, <laughs> you're alive? No, you're dead. You're, you're affluent. The church was obviously doing well. You, you would have looked from the outside. It was wealthy. It was popular. It was successful. It was probably full. And we'd have thought, right, I'm, that's my church. We're going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't mention the, uh, the, any sort of, um, uh, like the other churches, of any immorality as such. We can't find, it doesn't really mention that. It doesn't mention any bad doctrine. You know, remember the others? We, we, it was all, well, we'll have a bit of this, a bit of that. We'll, we'll mingle with the crowd and, and burn incense because we don't want to lose our livelihood. There was none of that. But what they done, which is the worst sin of the lot, is pride. Uh, it's interesting that when David committed adultery, a number died of consequences from that, of adultery. But let me say, when he was proud, thousands died. Because, you see, pride leads to so many other things. So many things. And it, it pushes God right out of the way. They push God out, as we see in a moment. But then he's counseled them. He's counseled them. Um, and then he, he gives his motive. Um, they may have been sitting in church and they were, they were shell-shocked. Oh, they were shell-shocked. Because this is what they thought. They, they, they come to church full of life. And the Lord says, no, you're, you're, you're opposite of what you think. Let me say, this is, this is uh, those whom I love. Ah, here we are. Those whom I love, I rebuke and chasten. See, God's heart is for us to be restored, isn't it? As a good parent, 
We do tell our children off. Why? Because we want them to be better. We don't want them to be spoiled. We want them to be uh, respectful. We want them to be the best they can be. So you don't just let them do what they want, do you? If you do, that's what they'll become. It, and if, if you, you've seen people, they, they just grown up kids. A lot of people, and we work with them. We've lived with people. Uh, I live with, you know, when in a student, and uh, always a couple there. And you know, one boy says, "Oh, you know, my parents never chastised me, never hit me." And one of the boys hit him a few times because he wanted his own way all the time. And uh, so you'll just be grown up kids. But the Lord says, "No, I'm not like that." He said, "I love you." It's an interesting word. He doesn't use the use agape. Use the word filio. The people we he's in, in companionship with. He's in harmony with, because that's his church. Agape is the world, but Agape is us and he filios us because he's in, he's in harmony with us, isn't he? Why? Because we're his brothers and sisters. We're his children. Bless the Lord. He rebukes. The word there is um, convict and convince. Not just to slap us on the head. No, I want to convict you and convince you that the way you're going is wrong. You're in the wrong direction. And, of course, that's his work, but it's the Holy Spirit who does that as well. John 16. 8 to 11. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the prince of this world has already been judged. The word he comes to convict. <clears throat> world of sin, righteousness and judgment to come. That's the Holy Spirit's work and his job. And uh, that's the same word. He rebukes, he convicts and convinces. Mr. Verse out um, from the Beatitudes about perspective and riches and investments. Uh, let's read that. Sorry, Matthew 6. And they would have had this again. They would have known this. Matthew 6, 19, 21. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Yeah, so the, the Lord's already told us, and they knew that, And but what they'd invested in this world. Now, again, God is not against us being affluent, as long as the affluence has, has an us. See, there are so many, many, many great men and women down through the history. We talked about them before, Cadbury, Roundtree, great men. They were amazingly wealthy, Colgate, others. But let me tell you, God blessed them because they, they knew how to give. Mm. They knew how to, they, they came in and they shoveled it away. And uh, I say, Lord, don't give me more than I can handle. Because it, it, the proverb writer says, Lord, don't give me too much, I'll forget you. Don't give me too little, though, because I'll start stealing and bring you into disrepute. See, the Lord will bless us and ha in a way that we can manage. And, and but if we set our heart in it, what is the timidity? The love of money is the root. It will grab you, it will twist you, it will distort you, because that's all you have on your mind. And we've seen people like that, haven't we? over the years and, and, and you know uh, men who've uh, uh, given their lives for riches but in the in, in the process given up marriages and families and goodness knows what and people and they left themselves on their own but that's the Lord the Lord is to rebuke and to chasten that word chasten means to train a child 
to discipline a child, to get that child up to maturity and to educate him to understanding. Um, and of course, that's our Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you, as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather give and be in the subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, they verily for a few days chasten himself after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. That's our Father. He is a good Father. He will not allow us to go down the wrong direction without challenging us and chasing us and rebuking us and convicting, convincing us. That's why the Holy Spirit is there. We know that when we've done something, said something, He jars us, He convicts us. Uh, but if we don't listen, you know, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a partial hardening and the, he become, that voice becomes quiet, isn't it, and, and more distant we've got to listen to him and say Lord and this church was I suppose shell shocked but the Lord was doing it for a great purpose a real purpose so he says a rebuke which is now 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 this is your response be zealous be earnest be on absolute a zealot was an uncompromising partisan wouldn't it it was no oh let's, have, let's negotiate no negotiate with a zealot he was absolutely committed 100% he was on fire and, and that's the Lord he said now, in Romans 12 when he says give your life to the Lord he goes to all the qualities he says be always boiling at a boiling point be always fervent for the Lord and repent of course again strange we've got caught up repentance is a lifestyle it's not a once in a, once in a, a lifetime thing it's a process why because repentance means to change a direction to be convinced and change. And we've got to do that all the time because one minute we think something <coughs> is right and then the Lord says, no, dear, that's, you know, that's not the right way to think. And so we've got to repent. And out of the seven churches, five of the churches are called to repent. So when people say, oh, no, repent. No, yeah. It's a, a direction change all the time because we're always veering away. Bring us back. But there's an earnestness about it and a, a, the, that which we are caught up with. He said, get caught up with me. That which you've plowed into, you, into the world, into your investments, into the worldly things, now plow into the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 to 11. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yeah. yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Great verses. Godly repentance. It caused the, the Corinthian church to, to wake up and, and they said, what earnestness, what zeal, what, 
you know, they wanted to put things right. Um, that's, that's real repentance, isn't it? You know, we say, oh, the Lord's forgiven it. And then, then, oh, wait a minute, no. There's restitution. Sometimes you've got to put things right, haven't you? If you've nicked something, you take it back. And you, you even put something on top of it for, for, you know, causing difficulty. See, repent, real repentance, there's a zeal. Why? Because we're hearing, we're opening up, and we're letting him, him in. <clears throat> and then we have this beautiful verse. Um, that uh, we've used as a, as, a, as a gospel verse, which really isn't, uh, because he's talking to the church. This is how far they've gone. Remember, they were they prideful, self-evaluation, the, hey, the Lord's doing it. And if you would ask them, how's your church going? Phew, fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Money, no problem. People are coming in, what were you buy? And the Lord's saying, Oi! Behold! Lots of expressions he could have used. Oi, wow, I'm standing outside. I stand at the door and knock. And we've talked about this before. Um, and that's the heart of God, the heart of the Lord, isn't it? He loves his church. And he, he will stand outside and knock and knock. He's taking his stand. He's not, he's not a passing thing. He's knocking. There's a persistence. There's a pursuance. There's a patience. Why he should be patient if we've let him outside, I don't know. <laughs> me, I'm gone. I'm going to the next person who wants me. But that's not the Lord, is it? He's knocking, he's knocking, he's longing to come in. And I love this because it is not exclusive. If the pastor opens the door, I will come in. No. If the men open the door, no. If the women, no. If anyone who hears and opens the door, is honest enough. That's, the, that's where it is, it openness. Isn't it? Lord, you're outside. Come on, come in. I will come in. And then there's a, that beautiful verse. We, we looked at that verse before. To sup, that third meal of the day. Not breakfast, in and out. Not lunch. What do you eat? In the middle of your job. You didn't come home, did you? Or did you pack lunch? No, it was the evening meal where you came and you rested and you talked over the day and hurried unrushed day, no TV in those days, you sat down, you ate your meal and talked and communed and were intimate with each other. And he said, that's what I want. That's what I want. Not be outside. Not for you to run, run your programs. Not for you to be uh, wealthy. Not to be think you're successful in the world's eyes, in your eyes. And uh, they can be one and the same, sadly, sometimes. He said, but what do, what do I think? What do I think? And he wants to come in and uh, he longs to be right in the center and uh, let's read this verse um, uh, and they knew the Lord was there because Colossians 127 says uh, the mystery of it Christ in you the hope of glory what a great verse they'd forgotten that didn't they they'd forgotten they were temples of the Holy Spirit Isaiah 57 Isaiah 57 15 well this is what the high and exalted one says he who lives forever whose name is holy I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lonely in heart, to reveal the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. It's a great verse. I am the holy one, the one who is high and lifted up, but who do I dwell with? Those who are contrite and lowly of heart, those who recognize their need. This, this church didn't recognize their need. They said, we need nothing. And that's an awful place to be. But we need nothing. 
But he said, thankfully, their condition was not incurable and was reversible. That's good news, isn't it? Bless the Lord. <laughs> but it was a precarious position because he said, look, I'm about to spew you out. Come on, now see your situation, hear the word of the Lord, be honest, and let me in. Let me in. Um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful, um, awesome, awesome um, uh, word from the Lord, isn't it? And when we see all these churches, <laughs> the Lord is so honest and open. He knows them. Um, and the sad thing, with it, I, and I say, Lord, don't, you know, is we, when we can't see ourselves as the Lord sees us. And sometimes we don't want to see, do we? That's the problem. That's the bottom line. Um, it isn't just having the wrong perspective because we see as the world sees. And this is what the world says is what you should have. And if you've got this, you'll be successful and happy. It isn't just that. Sometimes we just don't want to see. Um, we don't want the Lord to put his finger on us. <laughs> But he wants to. Why? Because he's a good father. And he will rebuke, he will chasten. And he says, come on, turn around and uh, let me in. And that's our prayer. Come in, Father. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.